welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we discuss entertainment news and review movies, trailers, TV shows. In today's episode, we'll be taking a look at the Disney Plus TV series, The Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 6, From the Desert Comes a Stranger. My name is Ivan, and I'm joined today, as always, uh, by my co-host and the world's expert on all things Neopets, Emmett. The first lie on an intro. I'm a, I was a Tamagotchi guy. No, I never got into the digital pets. I never had a real pet. I was deprived. Uh huh. I'm sorry to hear that. No, it's probably for the better. We looked after our neighbor's fishes for like a one week while they were on vacation, and some of them died. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, I think I would love a pet too much, and I would just like smother it, and then I wouldn't know the feeding schedules and either overfeed or underfeed. I could see that happening to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I uh, were you one of those people that was super into the Tamagotchi? You took it to school, and then like eventually we waned interest off, and it ended up dying the next time you picked it up. No, I, I never had a digital pet. I never got into that space. I had stuffed well, animals, and I had a, a vivid imagination. That's all you need. Well, yeah. I would have liked a, an actual dog. I think uh, that would have been nice. Yeah. Until they get hit by cars, and then like, Jeez. look, anytime what you about buy a leash, a, look, anytime you buy a pet that's not a fish, I think, or I don't know, I could be. Well, you're, but... you're, yeah, you're in a more densely populated area of potential car hits. I grew up on a <laughs> cul-de-sac with wide open spaces. Yeah, the pets we had in Mexico, I think one of them was taken by wolves, and then oh, jeez, I had chickens. They were, yeah, it didn't end well. Anytime you get a pet, you're, like, investing in, like, a, a, a couple of days of sorrow in the future. Because, you know, death and all that, you know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to raise a cock. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly. <laughs> well, some, you know, sometimes. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right, well, we're talking episode six, Book of Boba, today. And I, for one, before we get into everything, before we get into the news, I can't believe, like, time's flying by on this. Like, I feel like we just started the series, and we're already, like, second to last episode uh, for the season. Well, there's been some slow episodes. Look, I'm forgetting them already, okay? <laughs> no, I think it's it's... It, this does have that effect, and I always say it when I'm watching an episode that, like, man, I wish they just dropped them all and I could just binge a season in a weekend. But there definitely is value to, like, having to wait each week. I think the conversation, like, stays alive, right? Like, not just within, like, um, fan circles, but within, like, the, I guess, the stratosphere of, like, the, the mainstream. Like, I feel like more and more people kind of get into it. Um, but as even like even digesting the episodes and appreciating like yes i'm joking that some of them are really slow but even those have so much value that it's like okay give yourself some time to think about what you just watched and then how it's going to play out in the future episode that's true yeah i'm just i'm, I'm excited because you know one of the thing is um when i was growing up i guess when we were growing up right <laughs> um we we had we grew up with the prequel era and i feel like uh you know we're not uh we're not of that original trilogy uh era where there was a very big gap between when the originals came out and when the prequels came out um and now it seems like we're in this new phase where you know th there's almost like, there's not there's almost there is star wars content every month uh and it's on one hand, like a little overwhelming, but at the same time, I never thought we'd really get into this spot. Like the most we had was like what video games, books, that kind of thing. Not the same like fanfare that we get with the uh, shows. Yeah, the gap certainly felt bigger between the prequel films and then everything else that's been coming out recently. So I don't know what the I don't really remember what that felt like, <laughs> to be honest, where you actually like had enough time between trilogies. There wasn't really much of a gap this time, though, because Clone Wars kind of kept the conversation alive. It, it premiered almost like, what, two years after the end of Revenge of the Sith, so... Yeah, but nobody really watched that. <laughs> there were <laughs> folks... It had a large following, and I feel like a lot of the kids that grew up... I'm not calling too. you a nobody. Hey. Nobody really watched that. <laughs> Listen... <laughs> I did, okay? I, I... And, then, and then everybody else felt sorry about it, right? Like... Now it's the cool thing to watch it. 
So you were ahead of your time. You were ahead of being cool. Yeah, I remember particularly somebody was like, animation, what? No, that's not true Star Wars. And yeah, those people are idiots. (laughs) Never listen to them talk about, you know, Star Wars or anything. Yes, especially in podcast form. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I, I feel like we're dancing around it. Let's just skip the news unless there's anything pressing. Nothing pressing, honestly. There were only like one or two things, but I feel like there's really not much in terms of like breaking news. Um, yeah, it's this week. kind of a quiet week. I feel like uh, Uncharted is like the only movie that's coming out, and that's coming out this weekend. Um, Batman's coming out soon, and I I feel like you pointed this out to me that there's a lot more TV spots and trailers. They're picking up steam a lot, and I feel like. I've seen a lot of the content of, that's come out, but I've been trying to avoid a lot of it because, and, and I don't know, I could just be worried for no reason, but I don't want to see the movie before I see the movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like I have noticed an uptick in the ad budget, but I feel like it's the same trailer or bits of the same trailer. They've released full clips. Oh, well, then I'm not looking that closely. <laughs> Well, I did. I haven't either. But like the YouTube algorithm will like spit it at me every couple. My of algorithm's all over the place right now. It just keeps showing me stuff that I've already watched, and I'm like, yeah, I I enjoyed it. Show me something similar. Yeah, I think my YouTube account's like all over. So every now and again, it'll give me something like my. I'll like watch videos with my niece whenever I'm babysitting. Yeah. So my news, my uh, stream right now, or my feed on YouTube is a mix of Star Wars. Um, the Backyardigans, um, <laughs> Paw Patrol. What else we got? The, the, the show she's really into, The Octonauts. Um, Octonauts. Yeah, The Octonauts. Um, nuts. No, 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 not like that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you feeding these kids? Look, it's a really cute show about these adventurous little <laughs> or critters. Was that for you? Okay? I mean, like, I'll enjoy some episodes when she's not here, okay? <laughs> but, it's quality content, okay? And then, quality and content. then the rest of the algorithms just like Fortnite how tos. <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> XP boosters. Look, I'm on, I'm on those how tos every every week when they update. Yeah, I'm the, a the Forbes challenges. guy. I'm like, wait, I can't, I can't find this particular cacti. Where do I go? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to um, week seven in Fortnite yeah. season three. One thing I wanted to highlight before we completely go through <laughs> and, and go into our spoiler-free thoughts on this episode was just like, just because I can't help but talk about it again, Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh my gosh. Put it to bed. It's done. <laughs> we we I, enjoyed it. It's due for home video release at the end of this month, for February, just for, for context. Um, and Not on a service, right? You pay for that? Um, No, this is going to be like... Uh, video on demand so it would be like paid digital download that kind of thing Snooze. and uh a blu-ray i guess if you're if you're still into that um i might be for those i don't know like <laughs> there's still movies i'll buy a blu-ray for just because i feel like uh you know if, if i don't think it's going to come out on streaming soon i'll definitely get it but anyway i'm getting it getting a uh, sidetracked here um apparently there's a hundred minutes of additional content coming out on the blu-ray release it's deleted scenes um primarily I'm, I'm i'm assuming it's like unfinished cgi scenes that kind of thing it's a lot more than i would expect because i think the um, like far from home was the biggest one it, it gave us like 25 minutes of additional content apparently but a hundred minutes it just seems like a lot to, to drop i don't know like I, I just thought it was interesting to to, to see that highlighted well, I'm a, I'm a fan of longer versions of the movies. Like, look at Lord of the Rings. Like, I, I will sit through, you know, a 12-hour binge of the three. Yeah, I feel like I if it's something like that, like an extended cut, I'd be super excited. Although I feel like this is just going to be like a whole bunch of deleted scenes, which is still exciting. It's just not, you know, it doesn't have that same grab. Um, I've mentioned this repeatedly here, but like, I love those like behind-the-scenes documentaries that they used to do in movies back in the day. They don't so much do them anymore, but if some of that content is this, I would definitely uh, appreciate the inclusion of something like that. But anyway, that concludes my uh, my little, my miniature news segment here. So, All right. I mean, I'm done talking about Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Until the next one. 
until the award season. Oh, come on. We got to talk more, Spidey Man. We still have that key art we need Spidey to use. Spidey Man, nice. We, we, we need to talk more Spider Man. Okay. Man. We should. We really should. <laughs> but let's get to let's get to the meat of the meat and potatoes we got today. Let's get into the best car of everything. Ooh. Well no, chain we mail. <laughs> what are your uh, what are your thoughts on chapter six? Um I was not expecting this at all. Uh and again, I'm not mad about it. I feel like this show is becoming more of a Mandalorian season 2.5. I'm not bothered by it, but I know that it just it just continues to feel odd that at least Boba got some screen time this week. You know, like he got like three seconds of screen time. Uh, but this was probably one of my favorite Star Wars anythings that has come out in a while. And that's not to say we haven't had good Star Wars content. Uh, you know, we've had two seasons of The Mandalorian and all that, but I feel like this feels almost like a, almost like a, like, it, I guess in essence, kind of what like no, Spider-Man No Way Home did with those different franchises of Spider-Man. Um, we got some of the, some aspect of that here, which we had like what three or four generations of Star Wars content kind of melding into one, and. It oddly like fit so well. It was very satisfying, and I mean, like, I I want to talk more into this, but I feel like a lot of it is spoilerish, so I'll save most of my thoughts for for the back half of this episode. But I thought it was great. Yeah, I almost feel like we're back in you know the 2021 formula of this podcast, where each episode was our favorite episode. But it's kind of true with this season. Um, each one's getting a little bit better. Uh, like, I really, really liked the last episode, but it relied heavily on nostalgia driving that liking. Um, and it only really featured, like, one character's plot and where they're going. Uh, this episode, I think, you know, it's exponentially better than the previous one. It's not just like, oh, it's a little bit better. This one actually, you know, it does hit you with those familiar favorite characters. And it does give you, like, these new... Uh, exciting plots and like news that you want to hear about uh, but what it, it really succeeds is with its pacing and its ability to you know toggle back and forth between characters and give you different people's plot lines and progress each one uh, kind of like what we were talking about at the end of the episode or end of podcast last week was that's what it's really missing right it's it's missing that it's so one dimensional and one lane focus that it really needs to be attacking like three different people at a time and then have it all come together in the final episode i was about to say yeah you you pointed this out specifically in the last pod that we um we haven't seen from star wars this ability to juggle multiple storylines in a single episode it almost felt like you know but i guess it kind of made sense because up until this point we were only looking at everything through the eyes of the mandalorian right and now we got a different perspective with Boba Fett. And this episode kind of juggles multiple character storylines almost effortlessly. Right. And right. I, I hope this is the norm, though, for the future. Well, Dave Filoni uh, directed this one, right? Yeah, he directed and wrote this one. I feel like it's got his name all over it, just watching it. It's like characters that he, he you know, he worships and loves. And it shows because he not just introduces people just for the sake of it, but just like people that deserve live action screen time. He does. Let's get into the spoiler segment of this. Cause I feel like there's a lot to talk about here. And right. We're, we're dancing around it. Yeah. Um, do you want to start off with maybe the, just like the beginning of the episode with the return of a character that we're familiar with from the Mandalorian season? Yeah. Let's just, so I guess just to go a little bit like top line, overview of this episode we're really focusing in on like three or four different storylines here and we start off with a character we haven't seen since season two well since it was last year um we we get a reintroduction to timothy oliphant's character uh cobb vanth um and i guess for anybody who's not or who's like a little fuzzy on on the memory we're talking about the uh the marshall character from the first season first episode of the second season um, He's calling himself had, the sheriff now, though, right? 
I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Um, yeah, because he had a deputy. So for sure. Right. Sure. So they've they've gone full Western, which like we've always talked <laughs> about, like that being an inspiration for Star Wars. But that now they've just, you know, they're coming out and saying this is what we are. Well, yeah, I mean, the cues are always there. And I feel like this is the closest they've gotten to that original like inspiration, because uh, it's always like for, with George Lucas, it was always the spaghetti Westerns of old time Flash Gordon and Akira Kurosawa films. Right. And meld all that together and you get Star Wars. And it's exactly that. Like, I feel like if you pick up a Kurosawa film, they're almost beat for beat the original trilogy. Well, the Ahsoka uh, one episode from Mandalorian was heavily. Yeah. <laughs> Kurosawa. Yeah. Um, and also directed by Dave Filoni, I believe. Pro- by the way, props to Dave Filoni, because I think a lot of people gave him um, a little bit of a tough time. Because they thought the first episode of season one of Mandalorian was one of the weakest of that season. I personally didn't think that. I thought it was really good. But he directed that intro. And I think you can see the progression of his skills as a director uh, over the last you know, couple of uh, seasons of, of, of this show and, and, and The Mandalorian. He's really fleshing his skills out as a director. Yeah, it is cool to see that. Because it's not that it would be easy to be an ideas person per se but he does have these like we should introduce this character or we should really push this character and it's it's much more more difficult to actually direct an episode and have the story progress in a understandable way so he i think he kills it in this one yeah he he's come to really prove that he understands what it is that makes star wars tick um and i think that's why time and again even if it is also kind of working within his uh, tool set of characters that he made and introduced uh, into the world, we really get a sense for like that classic Star Wars feeling whenever he's in charge of an episode. Um, but yeah, we start this episode off with uh, Cobb Vanth having a bit of an interaction and a standoff with the Pikes, who are seemingly trading um, spice in his territory. Which I thought he was like totally reasonable and like actually kind of a He's like the cool teacher. Like, I didn't see what you're trading, so go do it somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he was being very fair. Uh, I don't know why they even tried to challenge him on it. But, I mean, it's the Pikes. Like, they have that reputation even from Clone Wars, so. Yeah. And I guess they did outnumber him four to one, so. They really, they really tried. Um, I Honestly, like, is this the first time we see Spice in live action? Or... Did we see it in so No, we saw it at the end of the last episode, right? Or not the last one, the uh, the one where it was the flashback. The train one. I right. thought we saw the crates, but I don't think we've ever seen Spice like itself like that in live action. Or I don't I'm know. I'm also could... thinking about Dune, which might be mixing up some memories. Those are the parallels there. <laughs> it's basically the same world. It is. It's a what Dune... if I told you everything was in the same world? <laughs> Well, well, not even to like exaggerate, but Dune is basically what happens if you get addicted to spice. I think wasn't Star Wars kind of like inspired a little bit by Dune? We'll say kind of, but if anybody reads the book, um, <laughs> which we don't do here, there's there's certain things that I'm pretty sure George Lucas would have hit copy and paste on um, quite a bit, but they went opposite directions story wise. All right. Well, regardless, it's great to see him back. Uh, I don't know if he was that major of a opening, but it was nice to be like, this is one of these plot lines that we want to follow and, and you know, keep tabs on. The utilization of some of these um, characters that get introduced, I, I think that's really cool. And it also kind of plays into like the Marvel formula of things, right? Like you'll introduce a minor character here, pick him up for another thing here and there. Um, and over time, like he'll build up his, he or she will build up their fan base a bit. Well, it's also the importance of, like, you spent time introducing this character. You don't have to spend more time introducing another one. If people, like, if it resonated with some people, reuse that character. Assuming schedules align with Timothy Oliphant's career there. Which it will, let's be yeah. honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we got a really good look at, I guess, the almost, like, ruthlessness of, this, of the Pikes as well um, with that, right? Because I, I feel like they... Pardon my friendship, but it's kind of ballsy of them to, to just. Oh, like, the French! My bad. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's it's um they're they're really kind of like 
you know, obviously not recognizing any other authority in Tatooine other than themselves. But one thing, and we can, you know, I think this is kind of like a afterthought kind of thing, but are they mining spice in Tatooine? Or is Tatooine being used as a place to just transport? Yeah, we, we talked about this last week where it's just not that clear of what is the wealth of Tatooine and what is... Is it just like, you know, it's kind of a skeevy free port. Just bring your goods here and trade them how you will. Uh, but it, you're right. It is kind of like uh, bold of them to just test what is available territory-wise, especially with Java passing. I feel like that's more of more likely. It's just like it's just being shipped onto this world. The trade is happening here. Money's exchanging and the locals are not benefiting from it. Right. So it just goes to show like the point that Bob is making is correct. Like you're just you're going to be victims here because they're taking over your world slowly. And if you don't stop them or like right now, because it's early enough, it's going to be too late pretty soon. And I, I, I it's an interesting thing because I feel like we've been building to this during the entire season that we are just now getting a taste for what the Pikes are capable of. Um Ever so softly, but yeah, and I'll I'll say that your predictions are right, pretty much at a hundred percent right now. So I don't want to like jinx you or whatever. But are you reading this as like it's being mined here, or it's being shipped here, or do you think it doesn't even really matter what the case is? Just that it's like the trade is happening on this planet, and there's tension here. I would say that it's uh, it's being mined somewhere in Tatooine because it just doesn't make sense for me to to think that this is anything other than that, right? Like, because for the Pikes to be involved, there has to be some sort of, like, mining of of, of spice going on. Either that, or I think in, in the original trilogy, like, Moss Eisley was always... Was it Moss Eisley or Moss Espa? That was always, like, considered the, like, port of all, like, criminals. So it could be, like, a good little, like, checkpoint there. Almost like the... I guess, like, Panama <laughs> in the real world, right? Like, you're... You know, it's ideal for like trade routes and all that. Well, yeah, I think it's also like being part of like the outer rim, right? It's like it's not heavily policed. I guess police is the right word for what the Republic's doing. Uh, so maybe it is just like this is kind of a, a skeevy underworld of criminals. Let's just do let's just do our trade here. Yeah, and we've seen the Pikes and what they're capable of outside of the outside of the live action stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I think. Um, Whatever whatever the reason is, I'm sure it, like ultimately it's not quite as important as the conflict that they're bringing. Uh, which I guess let's let's get into it. I think we can kind of hop around here because I feel like there's a lot in this episode because there's like distinct points here. But if, if we're on the topic of cop Vanth, I feel like we should probably just talk about um, the the bookend of this uh, episode, right? Because I feel yeah. like that's um, he dies. <laughs> Uh yeah no I think we can talk about that for sure. I don't think he's dead, but you're you're in the camp of he he survives the gut shot. Yeah he got hunted I think I don't think he uh I don't think he he's dead dead. And and for those who don't know what hunter is, so in, <laughs> in bad batch hunter also goes for like the um the gun draw on the character that is being introduced here for the first time in live action, uh, Cad Bane. Which we predicted. Yes. And I'll put we on it because I jump ship with you. <laughs> you might have jumped first, but I was like, I'm coming with you. I'm so excited to have Cad Bane in live action. Oh my so God, much so he's that done so perfectly. There's part of me that wants him to be killed off by Boba Fett because I feel like it, <laughs> it feels so like right. But at the same time, I'm also like, Okay, like give me a season of Cad Bane. Like I don't. Yeah, no, you, you know. need him. You need to keep him alive to like crop him up here and there. It's not like he's, you know, technically a bad person. It's just that he's available to the highest bidder. So something of a little bit of a something of a little bit of a. <laughs> yeah, ooh, something of a little bit of a. Yeah. <laughs> so a very small something. A very small particular something. <laughs> There was a so after Clone Wars was canceled because uh, Cartoon Network didn't pick it back up, and I think this is after the Disney acquisition. Uh, there were episodes of the Clone Wars that were in production but never ultimately got finished. 
and there was a Star Wars celebration, which is this uh, Star Wars convention uh, from a couple years ago, where Dave Filoni talked about and actually revealed some of the like test footage, I guess, but like the very early renderings of certain episodes. Uh, one of those arcs was the Siege of Mandalore, which we ultimately got um, delivered in in the last season that they did for Disney Plus, but the second biggest arc that they had that fans were really excited about was this arc between Cad Bane and the young Boba Fett, which is where Cad Bane was supposed to go on this like four episode arc with Boba, where he would kind of take him under his wing. Um, and it'd be revealed that Cad Bane had some sort of connection to Jango Fett. And so he was kind of like essentially taking Boba Fett and training him. Um, but the arc would basically ended where Boba was disagreeing with some of the methods that Cad Bane was using because Cad Bane is kind of a heartless, cold dude, right? Um, and so the 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 arc would have ended with a big duel between Boba and Cad Bane, and the purpose of that whole story arc was to explain why Boba Fett's helmet had a dent on it, which is a blaster bolt from uh, from Cad Bane and the time where he ended up killing Cad Bane. Um, Are you fanfictioning right now? What is this? No, this is literally like a storyboarded <laughs> episode. Um, you can actually find it on YouTube because they still, I think they have the full, if not the full, they have at least that last portion there. Um, which was interesting to me because when they introduced him in, in Bad Batch again, uh, when they brought Cad Bane back out in animation last year, uh, we were introduced to him having like a steel plate on his head or something. That was supposed to be a reference to the events of that episode happened, but they ended up retconning it so that Cad Bane wasn't killed off. Did he so, have an interaction with Boba Fett? I feel like there was an episode where the bounty hunters showed up to go through some trials or some tests or something like that, right? Yeah, but Boba wasn't a part of that. Who was in that? Because there was someone opposite of Cad Bane that was important. That was uh, Obi-Wan when he was disguised as... The oh, Yeah. Man, Obi-Wan did some wild stuff in that series. <laughs> he did. <laughs> but they, 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 this was, I think, an opportunity to kind of, for the fans that are aware of that missing piece of Clone Wars. Which is all of us here, right? Yes. <laughs> um, it would be, I, I think it's it's a pretty cool moment to see that, to for us to get the opportunity to see live-action Boba Fett square off against live-action Cad Bane. So I'm excited for that confrontation down the line. Um, but talking about the intro to this guy, to, to Cat in, in live action, immediately. You know it as soon as you see it. Yeah. The, the silhouette and the hat, the um, and, and the voice from Corey Burton, which he, he kind of tweaked a little bit, but it still sounds so sinister. So good. Those red eyes, too. My God. <laughs> the teeth. Everything was so perfect. The delivery of the lines was so menacing. Um, I like that they didn't, he didn't name himself in that scene. Like that showdown was actually pretty intense. Like that felt like, oh, this is like how people felt when they watched Westerns back in the day. Like you watch those now and you're like, "Eh, this is not that intense. Like this actually kind of held up. My only question is, where's Toto 360, his faithful little droid? Uh, he's back with the ship. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is a really cool way to use CAD. Like, we both were talking about, like, how do you introduce him? He knows Fennec. Maybe he's bought onto Boba's team. Uh, but after that plot that you just described, like, it's not that he would inherently go against Boba, but... I didn't really think about, it. you know, maybe he's just going to go to the highest bidder and the highest bidder being uh, the the syndicate that, that got to him first. I wouldn't think he'd be alive during this time, too, because and again, this is just kind of me putting my own like fan theories and assertions. But I was always led to believe if, if Boba is like the, the, the go to bounty hunter of this era, then naturally all the other go to's are dead at this point. Right. Like the, the Aura Sings, the Cad Bane's. None of them would be able to match Boba Fett during this time, but I think I'm it's just a, it's a creation timeline issue. Like I, if they had thought of the Cad Bane role before, I think he would have been on that ship with Darth Vader giving instructions. Yeah, 
but we, we do see it is kind of impressive to see them uh, being able to do it. My, my my big call out though for this, and and big props to the depart to the uh, makeup department here because Cad Bane is mostly practical effects. And for for those who aren't you know learned in the in film studies, practical effects. So are, we're talking like makeup. I guess in, in this well, case, let, let me be, finish. Practical effects are like makeup and things like that. Exactly. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. He. So a lot of it is like prosthetics and stuff. Obviously, there's that wasn't CGI. Some, it wasn't CGI. No. No, it was. There was like a post from Doug Chang who. Um, I'm trying to like. I was also getting like a lot of like you could easily just tell this is like their TV screen, uh, green screen thing in the background. There was a lot of scenes in this one that I was like, okay, this is pretty obvious now. Yeah, for the desert stuff especially. Um, when uh, when Mando pulls his ship up into Jabba's palace, like that was like, is the screen flickering in the background? <laughs> <laughs> you know what it, it is? I think it's, it's the it's the frame rate difference, and I feel like that. I'm surprised that that's coming up now, because. Um, or I guess it depends, right? Because when you're when it's it's an issue when you have too wide of a shot, and you're trying to enclose that space as much as possible, you're you're definitely going to get that element. Because even when you like pull out your phone and record a screen, you're going to notice like a difference in the way I, that the frame rate interacts. I think it's also the magician revealed the trick, right? When we watch those behind the scenes, uh, directors roundtable things. Yeah, you let this us is... in on the on the trick, and it's like. Okay, so that's how they do this. Now I'll look for that and see where I can spot like where where are these cuts? Where are the green screens? Like what's their setting like? Like which is cool. Like I, I have only ever really been a fan of, of movies and shows that I've never really gotten to be like, ooh, let me look through like the lens of a director or through the lens of a writer and see what they were thinking and how they're making it work. It's a little bit of like magic loss because you kind of know the secret of it. Yeah. The, it's like, um, you ever watch the movie Hugo from like a couple of years ago? I didn't know. If you ever watch it, so it's like, it, that's like a love letter to old silent films. Yeah. And that same effect that they have. So in, in old like cinema times, I guess, um, they would have this, they would have people essentially like, with their hands rolling out this like matte painting that continuously flows and you'd have the you'd like um you'd video or you'd film the subject let's say galloping on a horse or something on like a, a right. fake horse or something and it was meant to illustrate like the the land moving um but obviously you're like running in place but it seems like the background is moving with you and that's what this uh technology kind of reminds me of is kind of bringing that element back into the it's um, the modernization of like an ode to the past. Yeah, yeah. I like it though because it kind of sh- sends out a little bit of a like a classic kind of feel to it. Because obviously there's always going to be limitations and all that, but I do feel like for the most part they've kept the magic alive and most of the stuff that they've done here. But you're right, like some of the desert stuff, I, I'd imagine would get kind of complicated, especially because you have a lot of light to work with there well and any of the space stuff too when they're like you know he's in his ship and there's a star background or he's like going to learn how to use the dark saber with the rest of the mandalorians like that stuff all seemed so much more obvious this season yeah i think it's maybe because we're just more aware of it we're too. in on the game yeah yeah uh but let's let's go back that was a nice tangent but let's go back to the showdown between cad bane and cobb vanth at the end here so it's the western scene and you're saying you're guessing that he he's taking this bullet he's tanking this bullet with no armor but he's going to survive it i think so i, well, I guess I we should storyline wise it, it could make sense but i also see it playing more as like this is our martyr like the way that the bartender looked at uh cad just walking away he, he the bartender was adamantly against joining the fight but now he sees like these are the guys that the syndicate are going to send to us you know to keep us in line if we don't stand up now this is our life for the rest of for for the rest of uh, our time here like and we just named our our city freeport or whatever 
I think yeah. there's enough motivation. I do think that narratively it makes sense to kill him off because then they would rally behind the martyr. The only reason why I think he's alive, though, is because he's still a connector between Mos Pelgo and, and the Mandalorian. So I feel like, you know, if, if anybody's going to be able to kind of rally those people, it'll still be uh, Cobb and somebody needs to lead them. And I feel like nobody else but him is kind of there. Well, they know. I don't know. They know Din Jaren. I guess, yeah. I don't know. Like, I just have a strong feeling that they're not going to kill him off like this quickly. Because it almost seemed a little bit too convenient that Cat ended up, like, unloading <laughs> multiple shots on the deputy, but only one to Cobb Van. I thought it was one in each. No, if he 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 shot the deputy up a few times. The deputy was an idiot. Like, what are you, how are you that slow on the draw? <laughs> He hasn't played Red Dead Redemption long enough to know that he's got to wait to build up his stamina before he does the slow motion reach for your gun. Yeah, he was so jittery. I kind of <laughs> would have liked it better if Cad had a second gun and shot each like almost at the same time, because that's more Cad, right? Like he's like he's a quick draw for sure, but he's also like a sneaky like won't play by the rules. He is, yeah. Cad but, is but... a real Chad. <laughs> I, I feel like that was the only miss of like this ep- of of like that showdown. Like he he's not afraid to like play dirty. Like if you're in an eyes locked with Cobb and you're both reaching for your left side gun, use your right side gun to shoot the other guy on the on the other side of you. Like that that's kind of a Cad Bane move. I feel like it is. Yeah, but you know we'll we'll see what happens with with the rest of because I, I I'm excited to see how. Um, I guess how cinematic we can kind of get with him because there's also limitations. Like, like I said, he's not made completely out of CGI. Most of it is prosthetics. Um, and obviously that has its ham, you know, it's, it's kind of hamstrung and limitations as well. Well, us fangirling over him too, is like, it's because he's such a intelligent bounty hunter that he's going to be a great heel to uh, Boba I'm guessing it's going to be a showdown between the two, but it's also going to be a, a chess match for a little while in the next episode. All right, let's talk about the other planet that we've seen, uh, or that we we did see on this episode. Yeah, so we got a we got quite the family reunion return of main characters. We get R2, we get Grogu, we get CGI Luke, we get Ahsoka. Like this is a a star-studded planet we got here. And the formation of that Jedi temple that Kylo Ren absolutely solos later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does make you think, like, I hope Grogu picks correctly at the end of his ultimatum. <laughs> well, it kind of gives us a hint as to where he's kind of leaning at the end of the episode. So, uh, let's, But let's, uh, let's get into it. I, I liked seeing Mando interact with R2 uh, for the first time. Because we know we saw him, like, at the end of the last season of Mandalorian but here they had a little bit one-on-one time Mando who particularly doesn't really like droids all that much I I thought that was a really cool little um, interaction where it's just Mando's voice that you're hearing along with R2-D2's beeps and boops and all those like ant droids building the temple as well Um, yeah it is an interesting connection to make with him and droids that he's never really been comfortable with and then it immediately pairs him with Ahsoka, someone, you know, taking a left turn on a on a journey that he wasn't expecting. Did it surprise you to see Ahsoka there with yeah. uh, with Luke? Yeah, it took it took me by it took me aback a bit. I mean, I figured we were getting the Luke Grogu when we got to the planet. Um, but yeah, Ahsoka, I didn't think would be part of it because I thought she was like, I don't want any part of it because I'm not a Jedi and I'm not. I don't want to train someone in this because what could happen is is way worse if we fail. I wonder exactly what the relationship there is between Luke and Ahsoka because they have this bit of dialogue when she leaves and he asks if he's going to see her again. Yeah, it sounds like she just like stops by every once in a while. Yeah, and it's also I think Dave Filoni kind of pointed this out on the behind the scenes stuff for season two of Mandalorian, but he like basically posited the question of like, all right, well, Obi-Wan's gone, Yoda's gone, like who's teaching Luke how to fight? 
or how to sword fight properly the way that he kind of showed off those skills at the end of the of last season. Um, do you think it's Ahsoka that's been kind of teaching him on and off? I don't know, but he, I mean, he found the temple, right? Or is that not yet? That's not um, yet. That's not yet, no. But, so, but also, yeah, I don't know, because he does have this, like, minute-long training sequence or a couple minutes long training sequence of him using his lightsaber and he looks like he's studying the different forms i would assume that she's teaching him a thing or two because i think she's the more skilled jedi out of the two of them obviously because of experience and time definitely more skilled swords swordsman right yeah so and, and this, especially because she was taught by you know anakin himself right she can, like pass down knowledge and all it was really cool to get to see them interact like that which is and a great expecting... line in there too. Like you remind me so much of your father. Like everyone's blown up on that on the internet right now. That and when she tells Mando, I'm a, I'm a friend of the family. Right. But here's the thing. Like there there is the parallel between Anakin Skywalker and Luke that we're seeing in this episode. But I don't feel like enough people are talking about the like the similarities that there is between Luke and Padme. Like this, you know, the gentle soul, the calm teacher, like. No, that's not how you jump. Like this is how you do it. Like very calm and 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 precise with language and it showing by example. Like that that's definitely the Padme side that he gets from from his genes. Definitely, I feel like he he gets his like persistence and almost kind of like you know, I guess like Luke. I feel like has a little bit of hint of overconfidence at some stages that he gets from Anakin. From Anakin, yeah. And his diplomatic side. And I guess, the, like, the reason why he wasn't able to be swayed to the dark side comes directly from, you know, the genetics of Padme, for sure. Well, yeah, and, like, if if Anakin's in the teaching situation, he was always so, like, if you watch that Clone Wars series closely, he's so frustrated when people can't keep up with him or can't do it exactly the way that he thinks. Like, he was such a bad general in that sense. Yeah, he was. And I feel like he, there was that line in Clone Wars 2 where Obi-Wan's basically saying, like, you're a lot, like, do as I say, not as I do kind of teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Luke is kind of the opposite in this. You know, obviously, we, we, we see him kind of going through issues down the road in the sequel trilogy, right? But I was surprised at how much interaction we actually ended up getting uh, between Luke and Grogu. Well, uh, I thought for sure we weren't going back to them by the end of this episode. I thought we had seen everything we were going to see, but we we obviously do, you know, after all the training and whatnot, we do get the ultimatum scene. Yeah, which, were you surprised at all by Luke's insistence on Grogu choosing? Um, kind of yes and no. Like, I'm I'm surprised that we came back to it. But I'm also not surprised that Luke was at this time in his storyline and his arc very much so like, look, you have to decide between possession because he, he only knows like the the force through Yoda, who was very absolutist of you like the slightest slip up of attachment and you're in the dark side. So, like, I'm not surprised that he's, you know, creating this ultimatum to Grogu of, look, you can either choose the chain mail and that leads you to the path of. Mandalorian, Dinjera, or you can choose the Yoda's lightsaber and, you know, choose to purge any attachments and become a Jedi. And your life's going to be so much longer than everyone else's that Dinjarin is going to die someday and you're going to be left alone. That was an interesting point, too, that he made with that remark. Because he's right. Like, even this, if he goes back Broker's to. Broker's going to live. 900 more years <laughs> yeah that's kind of sad when you think about it yeah to you know you're at a point an inflection point of uh, you have to purge right now or else you're gonna have slipped down that slope of you know connections to people and yeah it might be din right now and then it'll be somebody else later on but if you want to be a jedi you have to purge everything and it's it would be interesting if ahsoka stayed and kind of showed you like there is another path and you don't it doesn't have to be evil to slip down that slope like there's more than just the good and evil path right i almost feel like it's ahsoka that should probably be taking grogu on as a student i could see that being the case like if if grogu 
takes the chainmail and says, I'm going back to Din Djarin, and Ahsoka will be like, okay, well, I can show you the ropes of, like, of being a Force-sensitive non-Jedi Council person. The other thing, too, is I feel like when it comes to, like, the, the, the future, it's kind of already laid out for us, right? Because in Force Awakens, that line that... Um, when that was in Force Awakens, I can't remember. When when Han talked about Kylo, he referenced him going um, going over with Luke and becoming his first student um, when he created his the, you know a new Jedi Temple or a new Jedi Order. Was it or, or it might have been Luke himself actually that talked about it in in Last Jedi? But Kylo was referred to as Luke's first student, so I kind of think that. If they need to tie it back into the sequels, we almost kind of have our answer already. I don't remember that bit of dialogue. I do remember, like, vaguely, now that you say it, I remember that, but I don't remember word for word. So that might mean I unfortunately have to rewatch some of those. <laughs> but uh, I do, yeah, I do think that this is kind of leaning towards he's going to choose attachment and choose his friend. Over... In which case over becoming a jedi in which case i feel like ahsoka would probably be the better teacher here right that's what i think like that path that luke presents is like that's not as clearly defined as where grogu will actually go down it's not just like it's going to lead back to your friend like it can also lead to ahsoka being involved um who just wants like what's best for grogu Right. It's it's an interesting thing to, to, to look at where Grogu could go, because I feel like, especially, you know, you have the shadow of the sequels kind of looming through. So you know that there's certain events that are going to happen. So certain other things can't happen. Uh, but on the on the flip side of this, so we're talking about where he might go. We, we kind of glossed over where he had been and Luke unlocks the memories of Order 66, like how major was this scene in this, this little flashback that we got that was really cool to take a look at because i don't think we've ever gotten an inside look at the jedi temple just some during little punk kids that couldn't handle <laughs> fighting skywalker they couldn't solo <laughs> he soloed them all Ooh. um Benzel. <laughs> uh yeah i i mean we want the rest of the picture right like who snuck him out of there because there was references to that in the Ahsoka episode of Mandalorian in season two, but there wasn't a clear, how did it happen? This shows you like, well, a few Jedi in training, like Padawans, I'm guessing, um, failed defending him. But then how did he get out of the clones approaching him? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of fan theories, right? Like some people are like, "Oh, it's old Mace. He snuck into the Jedi Temple and rescued him." And I'm like, "I mean, he fell several stories." Well, it wouldn't have years. to be old. It would just be that next day or <laughs> next same day, day Mace. <laughs> <laughs> the same day, missing hand, one last hand, Mace. Um, I don't, you know, that'll be a. I feel like they're building up to showing us who did it, and it might be something as simple as like, oh. Obi-Wan and Yoda picked him up when they came back to the temple and he somehow like, you know, survived that onslaught initially. But I have a feeling that we're going to get a segue into like another character, either someone familiar to us or unfamiliar to us that will have another key role to play later on in this new world that they're setting up. Well, it, yeah, it does tell us that like Grogu's here to stay um, and we will slowly and surely learn about him. It's not going to happen in the next episode of Boba Fett. But maybe in Mandalorian 3, you get like another like, you know, snack size piece of what happened. And it's just going to be that over time, I think. It'd be interesting to see if they revisit Grogu in the post sequel trilogy era of, of Star Wars. Like, yeah, is he alive at that point? Is is he maybe the Mandalore, I guess, at that stage? Like, there's also that, right? Like the Mandalorian has a lightsaber of his own that he is struggling to connect with. So. I don't know, there's so many ways that they can take it. You know, there's people complaining about the limitations because of the sequels, but I'm like, I don't really think there's that many limitations there. No, it still opens up world opportunities. It's just like, are you that interested because of the taste left in your mouth? But 
it would be really cool to see like a Mandalorian season three series based around like Din Djarin learning how to use the dark saber and Grogu learning how to use a lightsaber. Like that would be kind of cool to see them be like, you know, training partners in that sense. Yeah. And I guess, you know, ultimately too, this, this episode kind of shows us the, it's, it's kind of a springboard, right. For, for future star Wars content. Cause this is a peek into what could be or what what's coming down the pipeline. And I'm excited because I never thought I would see, you know, young post Return of the Jedi Luke interact with Ahsoka. Yeah, th- this is a pairing I never even dreamed about, you know, seeing. But this this series has made that possible that it's now like, well, what other kind of like near miss pairings could we get that I would want to see? And it seems and- like anything's on the table. Yeah, and props to Lucasfilm for hiring that YouTuber that did the uh, <laughs> deep faking a yeah, lot better than they did. Yeah, good this time. It really did. It's like a like a really big improvement over the that season finale, Luke. Not not to say that that looked bad. It's just that right. if you lingered on it for too long, it definitely did look like a deep fake. Whereas over here, there were certain shots where I was having trouble like figuring out <laughs> or not figuring out, but like you know, seeing the difference between Mark Hamill of back in the day and you know, the, this deep fake loop that they had cooked up for us. Well, it's also that they like are following a timeline of him aging. Like we have Luke from the original trilogy and then we have Luke from uh, the last Jedi. It's like you have to figure out what age he is in between this and how he should be progressing age wise. And I think they, cause he, he doesn't look young, right? He looks slightly older, a little bit more mature. Um, and I think they nailed that pretty good. Here. Yeah, I think he's supposed to be like in his early 30s at this point in the timeline. Yeah. Uh, and relate. I think the last bit of this episode was just like a real quick check in with the, you know, the namesake of the ep- of the series, Boba Fett, and what his defense plan is and plan of attack is. Which lasted all for five seconds. Is his crew getting bigger and also younger? <laughs> <laughs> It's all it's like he's keeps hiring these little kids, these punk kids. Well, look, have you have you hung out with enough Gen like Gen Zers, man? Like I wouldn't build a whole army around it. I mean, sure, you got a Wookiee and you got Din Djarin on the payroll, but I, I want more than just some some kids. He's got his content managers at his side. It's like early 20 somethings on Instagram. <laughs> he's got a Twitter squad. Yeah, it's, I I'm hoping that next week's episode is a little bit longer to to kind of wrap up his story up a little bit, but I have a feeling that they're going to springboard this into a season two of Book of Boba Fett. I, I no, I I think it's gonna be wrapped like his storyline is gonna be wrapped up, and the thing that'll linger is like what is Mandal like what is Din Djarin gonna do, and that's how it leads into a his season three. Yeah, I mean that 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 could be it too. It's just I have a feeling that you know, especially after introducing like Cad Bane on this, like you're you're there's so many ways to you just to like keep up this content. The reason why I feel like it's it, to me half of this half of this show kind of has kind of felt like an afterthought. Be, and not that I'm saying like I'm, I'm not trying to like knock the show. I'm just saying like I, I feel like the treatment that Lucasfilm has given Boba in terms of him having his own show it's been kind of like a, oh yeah we should probably do this right and they allocated like a few dollars to tell the story of boba fett and then maybe <laughs> halfway through they're like wait we don't have the budget to continue it so it just yeah, seems true. weird true it's, i feel it like seems odd. i feel like this next episode is going to be a real good chess match between cad bane directing the syndicate soldiers and boba defect like you know, planning out how do we attack them? How do we fight back? I I can see this coming to a resolution where Cad Bane's running away, certainly lives to tell another tale and be involved in the story later on. And the syndicate getting, okay, you win this round, we'll leave the planet. And then that could either set up a next season or could also just be like, well, bubble one, we don't need to revisit True, yeah. Either way, I feel like we're getting more Boba down the line in Mandalorian season three, even if he picks up a second season or not, right? But right, it, it, I don't know. It just seems like this show started off as something and then it diverted. Again, I'm not necessarily upset about it. I feel like I've enjoyed the last two episodes so much, but it just kind of makes me question, like, why even have a Boba Fett centered show 
to begin with if this was the plan all along. Well, I kind of think it's like what you were talking about the other the other week where it's think about it as like one big book and this is like a chapter and it's all related to each other now. Um and characters can come and go and they don't have to be sectioned off where this is only about them and about nobody else. Feels like uh, the Gospel of Andrew, was it? The one that they cut from the Bible, <laughs> ultimately, because they're like, it's the same content, but we're just going to focus on these two passages. Um, sure. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I feel like it's um, it definitely is something that uh, is kind of, I don't know, like it, it, it begs the question, you know, like, I, I don't like, I, again, I don't mind it's Star Wars content regardless, but. I just feel like it, it just seems oddly titled if we're only going to focus on Boba a quarter of the show and then like the rest of it is kind of a mix of other characters. Yeah, it it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I'm not hating it. One thing I wanted to ask you, too, like I feel like as we kind of go into the end of this season, um, w- is there something, is there a character from the original trilogy that you'd like to see? here that's associated with uh boba like you know we're getting into crime syndicate territory so like it begs the question of whether or not they're going to revisit some of those elements from solo but i, I don't I, to me and this is just me right like I, i'd love to see like han and chewy yeah i think they would fit really well here i mean han would be with leia still it's not that he's left her he just he doesn't uh... he doesn't leave until ben defects from Luke, so he still has time with Leia, so I don't know if it makes a lot of sense to introduce him. I mean, the only one I would want to see just because I love seeing him is Darth Maul. That would be an interesting tie-in. Obviously, he's dead at this point, right? But it would be it is would he? be cool. Yeah, because he gets uh he gets killed towards the end of Rebels by old Ben Kenobi. When did uh, when did Rebels happen in relation to this? Before um, A New Hope. Wait, what? Yeah, Rebels wrapped up before the end of A New Hope. Obi-Wan was in the death. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's hard to keep up with all this, though, because I feel like... There's just too much content. (laughs) There is. Although, now that you brought up Darth Maul and that Kenobi series, we better see a live-action version of that scene from Rebels where he kills I don't know if they'll... Maybe, like, in in a memory, but I don't know if we'll see... Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know what, what... decade that kenobi series is it's supposed to be between um revenge of the sith and a new hope the desert years yeah there's like 19 years of content they could do there but i i think that's strictly a one season show too okay um all right then not darth maul but i think just kind of like what we were talking about the other day um seeing the from uh, some... his his crime syndicate right maul's crime syndicate. crimson dawn crimson dawn yeah yeah, I feel like you could see remnants of that, but I don't know. I feel like they're they should be done introducing or reintroducing characters and just let the what pieces are on the table just let them play out. Yeah, it, I'm interested to see what happens because if you recall back to Mandalorian season one, also like Mando didn't have a rival until Moff Gideon showed up literally in the final episode. So is right. Cad Bane that for Boba here, or I kind of think it is. I kind of think so too. They didn't. They didn't name him, so you only know him if if you know the the animated series. So, I think that's enough to be like, okay, now the enemy has a face. Let him fight. Regardless, I'm looking forward to next week. I, I think we're we're heading into a really cool finale. Um, it's hard to say where my expectations are because I feel like with this show, it's been kind of a little all over the place, but. I'm 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 going to enjoy whatever they throw at me. I feel because <laughs> it's been ramping up to a really good um, story here. And honestly, if anything else, too, the show has made me even more excited for the future of Star Wars uh, than it was like two years ago or so. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, so let's see where it goes in the season finale. So why don't we wrap it there? You know, as always, if you think we're missing something or if you want to weigh in, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at BT Fourth Wall. Otherwise, thanks thanks for listening. listening.